If you have a Bible, you can open it up to the book of Jude. Yep, uh, my friend Mike last week taught me this song. It may help you. Hey Jude, it's in the back. After third John, before Revelations. So we're going to be going through the book of John over the next six weeks. I'm John, sorry, the book of Jude. The book of Jude. Um, And this morning we're going to read the first uh, four verses together. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father, kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only Sovereign and Lord. The Word of God. Didn't pick that up from Mike, did you, last week? It's pretty cool. See, like, uh, you remember, so when some more ancient Christian traditions than ours, they conclude by saying, the Word of God, everybody says. Thanks be to God. I'm not saying we're going to start doing that, but it, of course, some stuff like that is pretty cool, isn't it? Because it just causes us to focus in on what's happening. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, um, here we are reading this letter penned by Jude 2,000 years ago or somewhere in that neighborhood. We're obviously hearing one side of a, of a conversation here. But Jude obviously cares about the people he's writing to. And he's urging them because apparently they're in danger and they don't know it. Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning? Illuminate our hearts that they may be filled with your light uh, through these sacred and ancient words. Help me, Lord, as I do my best to present what you have laid on my heart this morning. And may we all hear from you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Jude is, we call it the book of Jude. That's a bit of a misnomer, right? The Bible is a collection. The Protestant Bible, the Protestant canon, is in it, the Protestant canon which means measuring line, not a um, It's a measuring standard, is 66 individual works, based, roughly, 66. So it's like a miniature library. And when we get to the New Testament, you get to Jude, this is actually a letter. Um, Jude was writing a letter to some first century Christians. Um, Jude is quite possibly the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Uh, quite possibly the half-brother. He, is, he identifies himself as the brother of James. Now, normally in the ancient world, people would identify themselves as the son of a, a certain person. So this James, his brother, had to be kind of a big deal. Uh, for him to identify himself with his brother. James, the half-brother of Jesus, became the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, basically, and was a very influential figure in the early church. 
it's fascinating because during uh, Jesus' earthly ministry, his brothers thought, his, his half-brothers thought he was crazy. At one time, his family came to uh, take him away from his public ministry because they were like, he's just gone off his rocker. Um, and, and it's just so amazing that, at, you know, after the resurrection of Christ, even Christ's own half-brothers um, uh, became faithful servants and preachers of the gospel uh, about Jesus. So Jude is writing to these first century Christians, and that's what's going on here. Good question for you. Have you ever had a time in your life when you watched someone you love endangering themselves? I mean, have you ever sat and watched someone you really care about make decisions that put them in incredible danger, and they didn't even realize they were doing it? And you saw them making a mess of their life and hurting themselves and hurting those around them. If you've ever done that, you know how difficult it is. It's just heartbreaking. Have you ever watched and got to the place where you just, you couldn't feel, you you didn't feel like you could continue watching silently and still be a good friend? You know what I'm talking about? Like you got to the place where you just, you had to risk the relationship and say something to them. Because you knew if you just sat by and said nothing, they were going they were going down. And you would, even though you didn't make the decisions for them, you would feel partly responsible. If you've ever concluded that you couldn't sit by silently and remain a true friend, and if you've ever actually done it and risked your relationship by saying something, you know what kind of courageous love that takes. Now, some of us are... Some of us like confrontation. Most of us do not. But when we finally get to the place where we have to say something to someone we love, uh, it's tough. It's so difficult. Jude is writing a letter like this. It's a kind of intervention. It's a kind of intervention into the lives of some early Christians that he really cared about. He just couldn't stand by silently and watch their lives and their community be destroyed. The danger that Jude is writing these early Christians about is still a very clear and present danger for followers of Jesus today. It's a, it's, it's a very real and present danger even for our, our church. The greatest dangers we face as followers of Jesus, as a church together, the greatest dangers we face don't come from outside of us. They come from within us. So what was this great danger? Over the next six weeks, we're going to go through this letter, all the way through it. It's only one chapter, 24 verses. Um, But we're going to read it and study it together. Um, But in the spirit of good music, I'd like to present to you what I feel is is, is the main danger that Jude is writing about here. So, check it out. Nice. We're going to have a a few more of those throughout this series. Jude was writing because the church, not in this particular way, um, the church, the the community he was writing to was being sabotaged from the inside, from godless people. The church was being sabotaged from the inside, from godless people. Which, to me, begs the question, how... How did the church not see it? 
how did they miss what was happening? Why did Jude have to write them? Obviously from a, from a distance. How come Jude could see it and they couldn't? That's kind of scary to me, actually. Because these weren't stupid people. Sometimes you look back in history and you think, well, they were just like a bunch of cavemen or something that made grunting noises instead of communicating. These are, these are intelligent, bright people that love Jesus like you and I. How come they didn't see what was happening? As, as we continue reading Jude, I think we'll discover it, that it very well could have been that the church was looking for godliness in all the wrong places. They were looking, well, maybe not all the wrong places, but they weren't looking to the right place to discern who people were and what it really meant to be a disciple of Jesus. The godly, the, these godly saboteurs, as we read, just the introduction to this letter, there's some things that stand out. They, obvi- they apparently attended church meetings. They were involved in the community. Now, they, have been, they may have been preachers that there was wandering preachers in, in those days, just like there's kind of wand- some wandering preachers today. So they may have come to the, to the church from the outside, but they, they became a part of this community. They, they sat at their feasts. They feasted with them. They ate with them. There's a good chance they even taught and preached in those communities or in this church. And there's the crazy thing. They taught and preached apparently the right things. Because Jude isn't writing them combating like false teaching as far as ideas. It's not ideas that Jude will be talking about in the letter. So, but if they attended church and they were involved in church meetings and they were, you know, they were at the love feasts, not in a hippie kind of way, but uh, communion in the in early Christianity was celebrated as a part of a meal together. If they preached and taught the right things, if they believed the right things and they attended church, how in the world could Jude call them godless? Because that's the that's the word that he levies against them. Godless. They're godless. I think we can see we can see just from the verses that we read but also we'll see it more from the letter. It's because Jude had this idea that a person, that it's what a person does. It's what a person does, not what they say, that reveals who they are. That it's what a person does, not what they say, that reveals who they are. Right from the verses that we read, it said the saboteurs, these people, these, these imposters had infiltrated the community. And they, they had talked about the love and the grace of God. They talked about, yeah, Jesus, you know, if they were with us today, they would say, yeah, Jesus loves everybody. We're forgiven by grace alone, by faith alone. That's it. We don't earn our way to heaven or forgiveness or anything like that. And that's, that's true. We're saved by just God loving us. Why? I don't know why he loves. I, you know, I don't know. I can see, I can come up with reasons why I think that God would love you. But when I look at me, it's amazing to me that God loves me. It amazes me. Why would you love me, God? 
seriously, I should have been perfect by now. I've been in ministry, I think, like 15 years this year. And I would have thought that I, you know, I'd be walking on water by now or something. But I know I, I see my brokenness more clearly than ever. And I have high moments and low moments with my faith. And so it, it, it does amaze me. It blows my mind that God loves me. It's mysterious. Why do you love me? And I'm sure that many of us, we feel like that. We feel that way. We're humbled by God's forgiveness. And it's, it's uh, overwhelming for us. But these people went a step further. They said, well, since God loves me, apparently, and God forgives me freely, it doesn't matter what I do at all. It doesn't matter how I live whatsoever. Because God loves me and forgives me anyways, and so it makes no difference what I do, you know, from a practical standpoint, because I'll just, you know, God will forgive me for whatever. And maybe they went even deeper than that and came up with some ways of understanding things that, that led them to conclude that their lifestyles and their choices really didn't make a difference when it came to their relationship with God and the church. Jude was saying they were wrong, desperately wrong. They used the, the love and the grace of God as a license to live blatantly immoral lifestyles, blatantly immoral. And apparently these guys didn't even try to hide it. While they confessed that Jesus was their Lord, because Jude says they, they turned the grace of God into immorality, and they deny our only sovereign and Lord, Jesus Christ. Well, certainly they weren't going to be a part of the church if, you know, a real part of the community, like in it, involved to that degree, if they were denying that Jesus is Lord. Outwardly, with their words. They weren't denying that Jesus was Lord with their words. They were denying that Jesus is Lord with their lives. They denied him as Lord when they chose not to follow and live according to his teachings. Not to, not to give their life to actually being a follower of Jesus, but rather by following their own sensual desires. And the words here, uh, when, you're, when I did some work in it with, uh, in Greek this past week, these words have a strong leaning toward like, uh, like sexual sin and sensual desire. This is the same kinds of passions um, and worldliness that leads everybody, that drives everybody in the world. Everybody. They showed who their Lord was by their actions and by serving the same things that everyone else serves. As opposed to serving Jesus, that's how they denied the Lord. Jude knew that his friends were blind. His friends were apparently blind to the fact that they were in a very dangerous situation. He wrote to urge them to wake up and to take up the fight for the authentic Christian faith. The faith that is revealed as much, if not more, by what we do than what we say. How we live. Our whole approach and orientation to life is different as followers of Jesus. See, authentic Christian faith is as much, and here's a couple of fancy words for you, is, a much, is as much about orthopraxy as orthodoxy. In other words, it's as much about how we live as it is about what we believe. In fact, if you want to know what you really believe, 
Look at what, look at what you do. Think about it. The new Batman's coming out, right? I think in Batman, was it in Batman Begins? Um, I forget which woman was it. She had an awesome line where she looked at Bruce Wayne, who was acting like a complete jerk. I mean, making a complete jerk of himself in the papers. But secretly, he had this secret life as Batman. And he told her, she was like, she was disappointed in him. And he was like, well, I really have good intentions. And she says to him, it's what a man does that defines him. I think that in a certain sense, that's really true. That sometimes it's good to realize that if we want to know what's really inside of us, we should take a look at what we do. If we want to know others, look at what they do. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm unfortunately a little gullible at times. I want to believe the best in everybody. I want to. But not everybody has my, inten- my best intentions in mind, and I've been taken advantage of. Maybe you have too. So Jude was writing these Christians, this early church, saying, get up, wake up. You've got to stand up for the authentic Christian faith. You have to. If you don't. So we'll see the rest of what he says in the letter. Jude is one of the most neglected writings in the New Testament. By, by, by lay people, not lame people, but by pastors and church members alike, forever. We, uh, today, in this, in this age, I can see that we would neglect Jude. We wouldn't want to read Jude or pay attention to Jude, because when we hear what he has to say, it comes off as being really judgmental. Really judgmental or even legalistic. You know what I mean by that? Legalistic means like trying to earn favor with God by observing certain laws or customs or rules. And we, we, we would have the tendency to look at Jude and go, wait a minute. That's, that makes me uncomfortable. Popular Christianity today strives to be loving and accepting and positive and encouraging. Hey, love. Um, I'm pretty sure that the book of Jude is not going to make it on the New York Times bestseller list anytime soon. But what if Jude actually understands love better than we might, than our popular culture thinks he does? What if we can read beyond the language that makes us go, whoa, and listen to the heart and listen to the wisdom he's presenting? What if Jude is demonstrating and urging courageous love? Courageous love. I recently became aware of a situation where there was a, uh, um, a woman who was a, a wonderful woman. She loved her family and was a good, you know, had a good job, you know, cared for her family, loved them deeply. And she was experiencing a tremendous amount of physical pain. And she was having a difficult time managing her pain. And so to, to compensate, um, she began to drink, uh, drink alcohol. And she drank, and she drank, and she drank, to the point where she was drinking about a liter and a half of 80-proof alcohol a day. She went to the emergency room so many times. 
And her family members, the ones that knew about it, were struggling to know what does it look like to love her in this situation. You know, because do they, what, what, what should they do? And so for a while they kept it a secret and didn't want that to get out because they feared for her reputation that she would be embarrassed by that. Until, until she drank and drank to the point where she was in the emergency room a last time and nearly, nearly killed herself. Was literally on the verge of death. And so the family talked together and realized that they had to not care about her, her, um, need to have that kept secret anymore. And so in the hospital room one night, they outed her to her doctors. And it made a big difference because the doctors could look at what was going on inside of her system. Human beings can't drink a liter, of alcohol, liter and a half of alcohol a day, you know, you know, and do that continuously and live, you know, for for. Those of us who, en- who enjoy our, our wine and spirits and drinks, there is something to thinking about the word intoxication because the word tox is in it, <laughs> you know. And so she literally almost kills herself. At that situation, the difficult, the very excruciatingly difficult situation to love by confronting her was the right choice, wasn't it? Wasn't that the right choice? I can see how an immature love at that point would have lovingly continued to conceal her habit that was killing her. But a mature love and a courageous love had to confront the situation. For the sake of the person, For the sake of this woman, she lived. She lived and stopped drinking. And last I heard, hadn't touched a drink since that day. Jude couldn't stand by and watch his friends' lives and their community be destroyed. They were in danger because their love was too accepting. To the point of being dangerously naive and gullible. People reveal who they are by what they do. I pray that may God help us as a church as we continue to grow together. May we not be naive and gullible. May we grow into a community that loves one another with a mature love. A love that knows when to be accepting and silent. And a love that knows when not to be. The kind of community that won't sit back in silence while our friends and our community is destroyed from the inside out. Stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time that we've gathered together. Thank you for Jude. Lord, Jude 
Jude challenges me. Jude makes me uncomfortable. Jude makes me squirm. Jude makes me look at things I don't want to look at. But thank you for it. Thank you for this godly, loving, caring man who some 2,000 years ago loved his friends and loved his church so much that he had to tell them the tough stuff. And thank you that this letter is preserved for, for us all the way to this day. Lord, surely among us today, there, there are some of us that are probably looking at our own lives, realizing we ought to make some changes in some areas. That we ought to submit certain areas of our lives once again to your Lordship. I pray that we don't feel condemned, but rather that we would feel richly and courageously loved by the writings of Jude this morning and by your Holy Spirit. We're loved. We're not condemned. And that we would realize that we can turn to you and you forgive. You wash that stuff away. You're not, we're not trying to live up to some standard so you will love us. You love us richly and deeply. You want us to be free. You want us to be free. And the things you warn us against enslave us. They hurt us. Like that mother who's, who was endangering not only her own life, but her entire family. Her relationship with her spouse and kids, grandkids, was being destroyed. Help us to be set free. And Lord, help us to be the kind of friends that love with a mature love. That when, when it is necessary, that we would be courageous enough to shine the light on one another in love, in grace. So that we... Our, ourselves and our community may go on and live into the full blessing that you have for us. Not just so that we may be blessed, but that we may be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.